0: Welcome to imperfect action i'm brock edwards and today's guest is jessica ellis wilson so uh, this is the podcast the show where we're looking for ways for ideas inspiration information to help us get out of our own way whether we're talking about it in our business our career in our life and there's a lot going on in the world right now so jessica can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what you're up to
1: sure so yeah, first of all thank you for having me on this is going to be great fun i'm sure And who I am is a former executive leader. I've got over 20 years of experience in healthcare. I started in community health and public health and everything from private practice, academic medical centers, concierge. And now I'm a full-time consultant, speaker, and coach. And what that means is I take my leadership and my healthcare background, I combine it with my training in psychology and my training in theater, and I use all of that combined knowledge and experience to help businesses, usually medical practices and nonprofits, but other types of businesses as well, and their leaders and boards transform, grow, and thrive. I speak across the country, obviously not right now so much, but um, in normal times on um, a variety of healthcare leadership, communications, and uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion topics. But I'm also board certified as a medical practice executive. I'm a past president of the Medical Group Management Association, my state chapter. And I'm the founder of my own consulting firm, Practical Management. Uh, Right now, I'm spending a little more time on creative endeavors in this uh, quarantine time. I'm also an actor, director, artist, musician, author, playwright, designer, and teaching artist. So it's just a lot of fun for me to be able to share some of my thoughts and and my directions and what i'm trying to the messages that i'm trying to get out into the world with you and with everybody who's listening
0: so leadership theater and psychology yep <laughs> all coming together kind of focused around healthcare industry Yep. um with a lot of other stuff back there as well and you know, we were talking even before i hit record and you know i've got got musical background Um, Some some DJ, uh, interest in movies, and um, I promise not to sidetrack us too much here. But so (laughs) uh, I I, I love how these what would appear to be very uh, separate things have come together for you. The theater, the psychology, and and the leadership, the executive, uh, combining into coaching and those sorts of things. But as you mentioned, um, you know, there is a quarantine now. So we are recording on April 24th. Uh, Most of the country is shut down. There's talk of things opening back up, but right now that's just talk and intention. We haven't really seen anything take off. Uh, So there's a lot of people at home, whether they they wanna be or not, it's a very, very uncertain time in the world, uh, ranging from people who uh, have a little more time on their hands than they're used to, to people who are wondering if they have a job, to people who know they don't have a job, to people who are, sick and maybe even struggling with their lives or are yeah. worried about being sick and struggling with their lives. So that's a lot happening. Um, what, so from your perspective, or I guess let me back up because you mentioned you do leadership coaching, executive coaching, what advice would you give leaders in times like these? How can they best help their teams and their organizations?
1: So the the best advice that I've been trying to share with, with people who reach out to me right now is to do your best to be flexible and supportive. These are unprecedented times. And the idea that our employees and our teams and our just the world around us in general can function as normal is not really realistic. And people are going to remember how companies and bosses and leaders treated them during these times. So if you are somebody who is expecting your team to check in every 10 minutes, that's probably not a good use of your time or theirs. Try to remember that everybody is human, everyone is struggling, really try to connect with your teams and see if they are coping, if they're functioning if they're able to get done what they need to get done and how you can support them in doing that.
0: Well, and so kind of the the flip side of that question, then, you know, we we think about people, you know, there's a lot of people that that work from home Mm -hmm. that meant to work from home, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they intended to, but right now we have a lot of people who had no intention of working from home and I'm on, you know, zoom calls with them, video calls with them sometimes. And you know, a lot of people are in a situation where it's them and their spouse and their kids and the dog and the cat all gathered around the kitchen table, trying to do anything, be be productive in any way. And somehow they're managing to do it. And it it completely blows my mind. I'm a little more fortunate. My my, my kids are older. They're not demanding attention from me around the kitchen table. (laughs) Um, so, for for folks in those situations, from your management experience, from what you know about psychology and your background, mm-hmm. I, I'm not even sure the question. Like, how? Where where can they even start to just uh, feel a sense of, of normalcy, or like they are being productive in the world? Right.
1: Well, so so there's there's two things. Um, there's the people who normally work from home, who may be feeling that they you know, nothing much has changed for them in terms of their work situation. And so they may not be as productive as they normally are and feel sort of guilty about that. But these are unprecedented times. And, you know, it's a, it's going to take us all a little bit of time to process some of the things that are happening because your work situation may be stable, but maybe your home situation is not suddenly other people are home during the day or maybe nobody is home because people are quarantining and you have you've been alone for you know six weeks now or four weeks or however long it's been for your area of sort of trying to socially isolate and then there's the people who normally don't work from home um, who may not have a setup may not have the space may not have the privacy uh, everybody, you know, with, with younger kids is also trying to help them with their homeschooling. All the schools are, are learning virtually right now. They may have friends and loved ones who are sick. They may have friends and loved ones who are essential and out, you know, putting sort of their lives at risk really every time they leave the house. So there's a whole lot of additional stressors in our lives that weren't there, you know, in January of this year. And it's Okay to not be as productive as you normally are. We're, we're sort of driven by this myth of productivity, especially in America. I mean, other, there are some other cultures across the globe that also sort of fall into these pitfalls, but specifically about American society, we're sort of sold this, you know, miss of boot, bootstraps, right? That if you work hard and you're productive, then you are more of more value in society and you will succeed and you will be, you know, you will be the next John D Rockefeller. And, and that's not one that's not objectively necessarily true because you have to have certain advantages to, to be able to succeed in the paradigm that we've created in this, in this society. But also, it's okay to take the time for yourself that you need to when the world is falling apart around you. So if you're able to be productive right now, if you're able to take whatever downtime you have and clean your closets or finish that DIY project or landscape your yard or whatever you know your to-do list was and that helps you to, to get through all of that stuff, that's great. Absolutely do that. If you are somebody who is struggling to process what's happening, you're, you're suffering with the isolation. There's real mental, serious mental um, health effects from social isolation and lack of touch. Um, and we're, st- we're at the point now in the time frame where we're, we're gonna start to see those ramp up because humans are social creatures. We're, we're designed for touch and for community. And so the, the more we are separated from community physically, the more we're gonna need to reach out sort of virtually to maintain some sort of connection. If you're one of the people who's struggling with that, that's okay. If all you manage to do when you come out of this, this time period is having survived and having taken care of yourself and your family and your loved ones, that's okay. You don't have to have, you know, learned a new skill or solved world peace or come up with a cure for cancer. You don't have to have done that and anybody who tries to tell you that you are somehow lesser than because you didn't use your time productively, and I'm using quotation marks around that, then just know that everybody, we're all going through this, but we're not all going through the same thing. You know, some people are already facing bankruptcy. Some people are facing um, housing insecurity, food insecurity. They're, They're facing health insecurity, they have loved ones who are sick, they may be sick themselves, they may have loved ones who are, who are doctors and nurses and first responders and grocery store people and drive delivery drivers and all of these people who are out there every day, you know, in harm's way. And all of those things together are a huge psychological load and an emotional load on us. And it's okay if we're taking the time to to grieve that. And just because somebody else doesn't necessarily need to take that time, maybe their circumstances are different for whatever reason, it, the, the, then the two situations are not equal and we shouldn't be comparing.
0: Well, you touched on something very important there is that, you know, these situations not being equal. I mean, I can't prove, but I do have the sense that a lot of the social media posts that are, that are kind of, you know, hinting that you should be solving all the world's problems with this downtime, uh, well, first off, it implies that you have downtime,
1: right? Which some and people do not. Some people have less downtime than ever right now.
0: Absolutely, uh, either because, as you mentioned, you know they're, they're working from home with kids, or they're very gainfully employed right now, and you know workload did not go down, even though circumstances changed, or you know whatever their their circumstances are. So it, it strikes me that anyway that it's a very narrow band of people who probably have downtime, probably have the mental space, probably don't have new demands on them right now. And yet, so I, you know, so I can kind of get how someone would say, hey, if you fit into that category and you know, you've been wanting to ramp up your life, here, here's some time for you, here's a good opportunity. Hi. But when we kind of broad stroke that across everyone in every situation, it doesn't seem very helpful.
1: No, I mean, and lo- a lot of the, there's, there's a ton of messages out there that are, that are sort of preaching this productivity, right? And they're well-intentioned, I think, but they miss the mark of the reality of a lot of our lives. And, you know, we're all or nearly all grieving something right now. We're grieving lost loved ones. We're grieving loss of contact, loss of normalcy, security, our jobs, our support systems, our routines um for example in my town we have five food pantries to help with food insecurity all five of them have been closed for three weeks so the people who normally rely on those who were already impacted financially by any you know blip on the on the horizon have been three weeks without that safety net um so like many things, you know, this sort of disproportionately affects people who are already marginalized, struggling, disenfranchised, um, people who are disabled, homebound on fixed incomes, especially vulnerable. Um, so to try and say, well, you, you have all of this downtime, it really comes from a place of well-intentioned sort of blindness to where other people may be at. Um, that's not to say that there aren't, if you're, even if you're struggling, there aren't some things that you can do. Right. So there are absolutely things that you can do um, if you, if you're, if you're struggling. So. So I was going
0: to say, say uh, say a little bit about that. So, you know, self-care is a, is a popular phrase that applies to that. So. It is. And and i I think you're ahead of there and I'll I'll stop talking because I keep asking the question that I think you're answering.
1: (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, I I do appreciate sort of being corralled back on topic though, because I I can tangent a little bit if I'm not, uh, if I'm not careful, but the most important self-care that you can do right now is to literally take care of yourself, take care of yourself and the people around you and that can look like some very simple things because for some of us we don't have the bandwidth for one more thing right but sometimes it's literally taking two minutes and deep breathing and physiologically what that does is make sure that we it oxygenates our brain it calms us down it re-centers us and it also helps with mental clarity That's why when people are upset, one of the first things that our instinct to do to say is, okay, take a deep breath. Take, you know, calm down, take a deep breath. There actually is some some physiological reason for doing that. Um, So even if it's a minute, even if it's 30 seconds, you know, twice a day, take a minute and breathe. Limit your exposure to the news. And to the, the, I'm trying to think of the right word. There's, There's just, we are awash in information. We are on information overload. And one, not all of it is correct. And two, it's just a lot. It's more than we can possibly process. And the people who are sort of, they have the news on in the background all day long and they're scrolling their social media feeds and they're scrolling the news sites and they're, they they want every piece of information as soon as it comes up, that is only contributing to your struggle. So pick a few trusted sources, check them a couple times a day, like limit, really limit your exposure to, to all of the frenzy that's going on. It will help you sort of calm, reset, get your thoughts together. Um, in even in normal times, at any given moment, our brain is bombarded with about 11 million pieces of information. We can process consciously and unconsciously about 40 of those. So there's a ton of misinformation All the time anyway, and it just gets more and more ramped up in times like this when we're stressed when we're upset when we're anxious. It just makes it harder to focus on the information that's important. Um, One of the things that people may find helpful is if you find yourself going back and back and back to the same sort of thought process. Ask yourself is there something that I can do about this thing that I am worried about? You know, and it might be COVID-19 or it might be, you know, my job or it might be my, can I pay the bills or whatever thing it is that you are focused on. Can I do something about this right now? And if the answer is yes, then figure out what that something is and try to make a plan on how to do it. And if the answer is no, try to train yourself to put it to the side you know, the, the, this pandemic is happening globally and there is very little any one of us can do about it other than practice, you know, the, the guidelines that are being touted by the world's um, health organizations, the CDC, um, the Society for Infectious Disease, places like that. Beyond that, there's not a lot we can do about this situation. So we have to train ourselves, train our brains to put it aside. It takes time and it takes practice to do that. And sometimes, you know, when you first start, you will find yourself doing that, that exercise like seven times in a minute because your brain just, when we, the way our brains work is the minute you tell your brain not to think about something, it try it starts thinking about it again. If I say to you, don't think about a pink elephant. The first thing that you think about is a pink elephant. Why would you say that? Right? So that's, that's just the way our brains are wired. And it's a, it's a neural habit we have to develop to say, I can't I can't fix this problem. I can't do anything that will affect this problem or affect my perception of this problem right now. So I have to put it over here on the side to this box and not think about it for a minute. And eventually you'll go from seven times a minute to seven times an hour to seven times a day and you'll retrain your brain on how to do those things. Um, I made notes to make sure that I caught everything. Oh, make sure that you take a little bit of time every day for yourself. It may not, you know, a lot of self-help gurus will say, you know, take an hour for yourself. And, you know, any working parent knows that you'll be lucky if you get an hour in a month cumulative, right? Um, So take a little bit of time. Maybe it's one episode of a show that you want to watch. Maybe it's 20 minutes to read that book. Maybe it's just 15 minutes to take a shower. You know, whatever it is that is going to help you feel more like you, whatever it is that's going to help you find a little joy in your life, because whatever brings you joy is going to help center you. It's going to help you Get your thoughts together and have more, for lack of a better term, mental fortitude to face all of these challenges. If all we're doing is facing challenges and nothing else all day, every day, then we're going to burn out really, really quickly. And that's what we're starting to see. Domestic violence calls are up. Violent crimes are up. Um, People are angry. They're afraid. And they're lashing out at people you go to the grocery store, I guarantee you, you're going to find somebody screaming at some hapless worker because there is no toilet paper. And it's it's because we're so afraid and we're not taking that time to take care of ourselves.
0: And so along those lines, because you hit on a, you know, very important piece there that, uh, that we don't normally think about just, you know, when we're gearing up for a pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of details we don't think about, but, you know, suddenly the, the people that, we theoretically like best, you know, our family, yep. um, we're, we're seeing a lot more of them now. And in, in ways that are outside of our, our usual patterns and, you know, on one hand that that's a blessing. We, we get to be around our kids our spouses, yep. significant others, people living with those roommates, whoever it is in our house, you know, that's great. But there is that point where I think we all say, you know what, I kind of need my space. I, I, okay. I need you people to not be in my living room. Yep. <laughs> and, and
1: unfortunately, right now, there's not a lot of other places for them to go.
0: Exactly. So, and, I, and I'm not even getting to, you know, kind of the, the the domestic violence piece that that you mentioned. I'm just talking about relationships that were healthy and normal before all this started and now are under the strain of being in a very abnormal situation. Yeah.
1: The, the forced togetherness, um, is, you know, we, it's an idealized version of what we think we want, you know, around the holidays, for example, when we say, Oh, we wish we had more time to spend with our family. Um, but the reality is we don't, we can't rely on our family and our loved ones and the people that we live with to be our everything there have to be other healthy outlets. And it's really hard right now to get that when you're trapped in, you know, a thousand square feet, or, you know, if you're in New York, 300 square feet, you know, (laughs) or however much space that you have. So it's important to find a little bit of time where you can go apart, whether it's if you've got an outdoor space somewhere near you and you can take a walk while socially distancing, or you can, get in your car and just, even if you just sit in the car (laughs) and you don't go anywhere, but you're, you're by yourself and you have a little bit of silence, you know, everybody needs a little bit of that time. And if in the house, someone says, I need my space, everyone really trying to make an effort to say, let's try and do that. You know, let's, okay. You know, I'm going to give you your, your half hour or whatever it is that you need right now. Um, And a lot of that comes down to remembering that we all have to take care of each other and choosing kindness Um, because it's at every, any given point in a day, like I said, we are stressed, we're overwhelmed, we're afraid. Many of us are, are going through these cycles over and over and over and over and over again in a day. And that creates a lot of stress. And when we are stressed, tempers get short, um, harsh words flare. The sock that you didn't pick up this morning is now a huge glaring beacon to whoever asked you to pick it up, right? <laughs> the dirty dishes in the sink become serious—you know a serious source of contention. All of those little aggravators and pricks that in a normal, healthy relationship, they're either talked about calmly or they're just overlooked because no one is perfect, become of gargantuan importance because you have this magnifying glass on everything. Excuse me. And it's just choosing to react with patience and kindness as much as you can. And if you do lose your temper, if you do snap and, and say something or do something that is in anger or unkindness or frustration, to then own that and say, "I am sorry that I took that out on you." Um, and it's important to use those kinds of words. I am sorry that I did that, as opposed to, "I'm sorry if that if that upset you," because then it's sort of not taking responsibility. I did this thing and it upset you, and I'm sorry you're upset, but I'm not really sorry I did the thing. You know, <laughs> so you have to you have to really take responsibility and say, "I." It's, um, you know, I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from. I'm so frustrated. I'm very upset. I'm very whatever. And I just, I, I just couldn't keep it in inside for one minute longer. And I am sorry that I took it out on you. Even if, even if you think that you're justified, you know, that's the way to start the conversation of how do we not have that happen again? Because tempers are flaring and we need to really make sure that more than ever before we take that breath and go. Is this, you know, am I reacting appropriately to what's going on or is this just building up everything else underneath it? And this is the final, you know, this is the straw.
0: Yeah. It, um, I, sorry, just, just thinking there that, that there's just so many different levels to, to what we're seeing in that even things, you know, as we were just mentioning that are normally fine and wonderful are put under a strain. And, you know, it, it's almost surprising to me that we haven't seen more break and maybe that's just because we're all in our homes. And so we can't see the stuff breaking out there.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's not, it's really not being reported in the media. Um, But like I said, you know, you won't see most uh, media outlets talking about the fact that violent crimes are up, but they are, there's, there's a lot of, and, and that's just, the small things. I mean, that's just the big things. The small things that would never get reported to the police still never get reported to the police. And they're just, and most people aren't even venting about them on social media because they go on social media and they see all the people talking about their loved ones who are in the hospital or who are dying or whatever it might be. And they think, how can I really vent about, you know, the fact that my spouse refuses to pick up their socks? Um, I'm going to look like, you know, (laughs) and it's sort of an immediate, like, (laughs) Oh, you (laughs) know, but, but the reality is that we do have to have those venting spaces and we do have to have sort of that safety valve before things explode. And, you know, yes, is, is the fact that your spouse won't pick up their socks as important as, you know, your grandmother who is in the hospital with COVID-19, of course not. But that doesn't mean it feels any less important in that moment. And if you don't have the safety valve in that moment that you don't have the coping mechanisms to take that breath or get on Twitter and just send out something that says, I'm, you know, I'm going to throw away every sock my spouse owns, you know, whatever, whatever your reaction is that you have to get out there you can always delete it later, right? Um, but it's better to do that than to say it to your spouse who's been very hurt because they were, you know, making dinner or whatever because we're all, I think we're all trying our best to to get through this and making sure that we act in kindness. You know, I keep coming back to that. And that's a big message that I talk about in a lot of my a lot of my talks is empathy, compassion and kindness. And those three things will change the world
0: well, along those lines, and, and I think you're, you're, you're hitting on it there already my next question is you know, how can we help those around us because they, you know, they're, they're under incredible pressure as well, and may not know how to express it or may not feel like they can or should you know for, for the reasons you mentioned there, there are bigger problems in the world, but that's a pretty big problem in their world right now right you know and I think about and I know kids are are, are tricky. uh, So I stick even with adults, you know, in any given moment, I can be sad, anxious, afraid, doing just great, terrified, you you know, Uh, just because I was feeling great an hour ago doesn't mean I'm feeling great now. Correct. And, And, and
1: And kids are the same way. They just don't have, they don't have one, the vocabulary to communicate it or two, as many of the coping mechanisms to handle it as we do at, when we reach adulthood. So you know, we talk sometimes about children and their you know their emotions are merc- mercurial, but they aren't really any more than adults are. They just lack the tools to talk about them and and to to deal with them. Um, so everybody's sort of going through this. And so what you can do is first and foremost empathy, compassion, kindness, for yourself. It is okay to not be okay. It is okay to be taking some time to process the losses, even if when you look at the the global scale, your losses don't seem that significant. It may be that you're grieving the loss of your semester, you know, the the college and high school seniors who have lost their, you know, the last bit of their final year and their proms and their graduations. Um, it, it might be the loss of something you were really looking forward to. I was supposed to be in California today talking at a conference. Um, I've never been to Sonoma. <laughs> and I was really looking forward to being in wine country, California, and and talking at this conference. But, you know, so it doesn't matter what losses you're grieving. It is okay to grieve those. And do whatever it is you need to do to to work through that loss because nothing is normal right now. And it's going to be quite some time before we return to, you know, any, any sense of real normalcy. Um, well, what some, what some people may, I'm sorry, you have a question before. I...
0: Yeah. So, so within that, you know, one of the things I've noticed about people I noticed about myself anyway, is that when we have a timeline, we can deal with it. Mm -hmm. you know, if you said, you know what, things are just going to be really hard for the next 60 days and then you're good. All you have to do is get through 60 days. You know, mentally I can gear up for that. Right. But gearing up for the, yeah, it's probably going to be hard for a long time. That's harder to get my head around, particularly when we've got, you know, competing timelines. No, things are going to be great next week, two weeks from now, August. Um,
1: Well, and that's, that's part of why this is, this situation in particular is so traumatic for people. It's because the fear of the unknown is one of the biggest fears in the, in the human psyche, right? Second only to public speaking and fear of death. And believe it or not, more people fear public speaking than fear dying. Uh, so it's, it, it's right up there, you know, and, and it's constant and it's prevalent and it's constant with, uh, a very real fear of if I catch this, I could die, my friend my I could pass it to a loved one who could die, you know, like any one of my my at risk loved ones could could contract it at any minute. you know so there's all of these unknowns that are swirling around us all the time, and it is really hard for humans to compartmentalize that. It's really hard, which is one of the reasons why I recommended earlier, sort of limiting your exposure to the the sea of information because that gives you that gives you time to process what you've already heard without constantly being barred with new and you know repeated information because let's be real you know there's new information about twice a day and the rest of the time they're just repeating the same information again and you know giving it a slightly different spin so that it keeps your attention uh so It's, it's important to give yourself time to process what, what you're hearing and what you're learning and, and knowing that things are changing on a daily basis and knowing that, you know, from today to tomorrow, um, everything may change is a, is a hard place for humans to be. We, We don't like, we like routine. We like, you know, even people who say, oh, I'm spontaneous. I still guarantee you they've got a morning routine. They've got a, you know, a favorite coffee mug. They've got a favorite, you know. So we we cling to familiar. That's how we find security. And in times like this, if, if what you need to do is go back and rewatch a favorite television program or a favorite movie or reread a book from your childhood, you know, something, I know a lot, you know, the the number of people who are watching things from, you know, the eighties and nineties on Netflix and, and Hulu and all of these streaming services, have skyrocketed because people are looking for a time when they felt safe. And, and depending on your age, it kind of varies what time, you know, you, what you really associate with that sort of, I felt safe then. Um, And, and you have to find what works for you to find that safety. Maybe it's checking in with, you know, your loved ones once a day, via text or phone or virtual, you know, remote, FaceTime or whatever to make sure they're okay. Maybe it's, you know, doing some of that self-care, reading that book, watching that TV show. Maybe it's, you know, pulling out a game from your childhood and playing it or writing something down, writing them. And a lot of people are journaling right now and, and kind of talking about their feelings and their experiences and, and that's helping them process. So it's finding that sort of sense to hold on, something to hold on to, to make you feel secure. And, you know, some of that, what may help you with some of that is finding others who need help. You know, one of the things that I've been doing is, you know, I I have a lot of people that I care about, and they're all over the globe. And so it's with different time zones and things like that, it's very difficult to check in with everybody in person. So I kind of scan through social media every day make sure there's a post from everybody or, you know, and kind of gauge their, where they're at. And then if I haven't heard from somebody in a while or somebody, you know, makes a post that makes me think they're struggling a little bit, I'm shoot them an email or shoot them a text, you know, see if they're on Skype and go, Hey, you know, everything okay. How you doing? Um, and just checking in if you if you know somebody in your life, if you're health, if you're lucky enough to be healthy and able to go out and, and get groceries and, and things like that, check in with the people in, in your neighborhood or the people in your extended circle who may need some help. You know, I guarantee you everybody knows somebody who is disabled in some way, who is elderly, who is immune compromised, and say, how are you doing on, on going to the grocery store? Do you, would it make you more comfortable if somebody else did that for you? Can I help you in some way? Can I, I'm going to the grocery store tomorrow. Can I get, do you need anything? Um, and because helping others can sometimes help us find a little bit more of a purpose. But you know, above all, above all, above all, above all, be kind. Be kind to yourself. Stop the negative self-talk. Stop the self-destructive behaviors. You know, if you can't be the shutdown superhero who's, you know, renovating their bathroom and redoing their yard and writing the great American novel, that's okay. If you are great, can't wait to read it. But if you're not, that's okay. Stop telling yourself that you need to be. Um, be kind to your loved ones, the people that not just the people who live with you, but the people in your extended circle, the people around you make sure they know because, you know, it's easy for us all to say, Hey, if you're struggling, reach out. But for a lot of people, if they're struggling, they don't feel like they can reach out because they already feel like they're a burden and reaching out is one more, they don't want to be more of a burden. So reaching out when someone is struggling, particularly struggling with depression and anxiety, but struggling in general um, it's really really hard so it's on it's on the healthy person to try to notice that and reach out if you can um, and be kind to everyone else we're all stressed we're all worried we're all afraid um, we're all in this together but not everyone is going through the same thing so trying to remember that and treat everyone that you meet with exaggerated care Um, treat everyone you meet as though they are having the worst day of their life. And that if you can move through the world that way, if you can move through the world in a way that lets people always be uplifted by an interaction with you instead of diminished, then that helps you far more than it helps everybody else. And you may never know all of the ways that it helps everybody else but it helps you in so many ways to center, to ground, to keep priorities in order and to stay even tempered in times like this.
0: Well, it's a lot of good advice there. Um, seems like a, a kind of a drop, mic drop moment. <laughs> and, and so where can people find you if they want to find out more about you, learn more about what you're up to, how you can help? Where's the best so, place to find you?
1: Um, believe it or not, the best Place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. I'm I, I'm sure that we can get a, a link to my LinkedIn up on the the podcast. But I I don't have a website. I'm pretty low tech because most of my work is referral based. So as I'm doing more speaking, I keep getting asked, "Why don't you have a website? Why don't you have all of these bells and whistles?" And the answer is, I've been too busy. Talking about the message to do some of those things. And I, you know, even my own self talk, I think I should be using this time to do all of this stuff. But um, the reality is that I, I think it's more important to have these types of conversations and the message will sort of pass itself
0: along. Absolutely. Well, final question for you then is, um, and you may have answered this already a little bit, but. What would your ask be of the listener? If they could do anything to help you, what would it be?
1: So I think it goes back again to if you could do one thing to help me, to help everybody in the world, is to remember to try and move with kindness as much as you can. And to, like I said, to treat everyone that you meet like they're having their worst, the worst day of their lives and with exaggerated care because some of them will be having the worst day of their lives and you will make a difference, you'll never know. And some of them will not, but no one was ever harmed by too much kindness. And it sounds trite and cliche to say that, but the world has become, we have lost a lot of our empathy and we've lost a lot of our compassion and our ability to see the world from other people's perspectives and if we can treat more people with kindness then maybe we can get back to the point where we can really have those connections even with people with whom we may disagree and become be able to have more productive conversations about how to make the world a better place as opposed to the polarization that's happening right now
0: Sounds so great. before you well,
1: thank- if- before you do anything, just ask yourself is it kind?
0: <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I really had a good time.